All right, so OSU. Yeah. Um, power rankings and maybe MVP talk, or is there something else you want to do? We'll figure it out. That works with me. I, we could just kind of OSU, then NFL, and kind of just see where the NFL branch takes us. That sounds about right. Welcome to the Spin in Sports Podcast and our clown show of pre-production. Uh, that's Landon Bethay. My name's Grayson Singleton, and we're just going to try to entertain you for the next hour as school's kicking our butt right now. School is kicking our butt right now. That's a very, very good way to put it. But yeah, as you heard Landon say, we are going to talk about the OSU football game. We're also going to talk about maybe some MVP talk, maybe some Ben Simmons, who I guess is playing the victim now, even though he still can't shoot free throws. It's, it's hard for me to believe that someone wants to play the victim card when <laughs> they were part of the reason their team got kicked out of the playoffs or got beaten out of the playoffs. That's I don't know how you can play the, the victim card when uh, yeah. yourself you yourself could have helped your team win a playoff series, but you didn't. So let's look, cry about it some more. Look, all I say, as somebody who wishes they could still dunk, if you're 6'10 and you refuse to dunk the ball, you deserve to get traded. As someone who's never been able to dunk, <laughs> if you're 6'10 and, you, and you're not going to dunk the ball, I'm going to have an issue with it. Very good. Uh, Oklahoma State played this weekend. They, they played one half of football, right? Did they, did they, finish, that, did they finish the game? I, we won. OSU won. They won, yeah. They won. But it seemed as if the offense was playing, hey, let's just try to, let's just try to run mean, this clock out for the whole second half. I mean, granted, they, they, they had no receivers. That's true. And that's, that's, the, that's the huge <clears throat> knock right now. It's our receivers aren't – they're not at the level it was last year, for sure, to say the least. Right. And then they're young. You have a quarterback who is – he's facing a lot of adversity right now in the, in the fact of he's got to perform because not only the people at OSU are calling for him to perform better, but obviously he himself wants to perform better. No doubt. And I'm talking more of the Tulsa game. The game plan for Boise was very, was, was very clear what the OSU was trying to get out there right. and do. They were trying to establish the run game, which they did from the very start. There was no need to branch away from that to start throwing the ball when the run game is just working to a T. But – Spencer Sanders is trying to make that jump from his, his you know his youthful self that mm-hmm. that played very very electric player always been an electric player up here but the mistakes he's trying to limit that and he's doing that right now with a receiving core that's very young unexperienced and we haven't really and seen injured. anyone step up yet and injured that's that's true and and, and we forget that we started the season with Logan Carter just right. not not being available as well but one of the key things from Boise State even though you know he was six for 13, only threw the ball 13 times. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't turn the ball over. And he delivered a ball in the, the you really know, won us the game with that, that last play. And know, I don't know why we threw it, to be honest with you, but it worked. It worked, yeah. Uh, by the way, did you know who Kale Cabanis was before he made no. that? I didn't either. And, and, our, and our jobs are too. And we are supposed our to, know. <laughs> to know who these people are. But, you know, Spencer Sanders, you know, one of the things that's big, that's really different between him and Shane Illingworth is that at the end of the game, going back to Tulsa and then going to back to Boise State. He has made the play to win the game. I, I agree. That's what, that's what my huge thing has been about the two quarterbacks we have. We have mm-hmm. Shane Illingsworth, who, who probably does have the stronger arm, and, that, and that's not really something that needs to be debated. It, it's evident that his arm is naturally stronger. But when it comes to Spencer Sanders, the mobility – and the ability to go win you a football game instead of not losing you a football game. The two differences there, we go win us a game opposed to don't go lose us the game. And that's where Spencer likes to walk the fine line between yeah. keeping us in games but also keeping the other team in games. And he, 
he did not have any uh, implication on Boise staying in that game. Right, he and, did not. And he, he did his job, and that's why I have no issue with the way he played. Yes, he didn't. He barely threw the ball. His numbers weren't great, but he did his job, and that's all Gundy was asking him to do yeah. in that game. And then when it came down to the wire, he made the play that won us the football game. So two points. The first is that, for me, the Boise State game was probably the best coached game mm-hmm. I've ever seen from the coaching staff since I've been here. And what I mean by that is they knew, they probably went into this into this game seeing, well, Boise State gives up 400 yards of offense or 500 yards of offense each game. So maybe we can just go throw it, except, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we have no receivers. You know, Jaden Bray is a guy that Spencer has developed exquisite rapport with, mm-hmm. and he wasn't there. Jaden Bray's a true freshman, so yeah. then you take into account that you don't have Tate Martin, you don't have Langston Anderson, you don't have Braden Johnson. You can't run the ball. So, I mean, throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So they had to say, hmm, we're going to have to do something a little bit different. And thankfully, Boise State, even though they can't stop the pass, they can't also stop the run either. Mm-hmm. So we were able to generate offense through the run game. So it was interesting how they probably came into the game with a different game plan. And then when they found out, man, the receivers aren't going to travel with us, we got to do something different. And they executed that very well, in my now, opinion. They were down. They. They were hindered, and they came out with a win. And that's really, right now, for this OSU football team with an offense that is, we that is not established whatsoever. No, a very established defense, but not really an offense that you can count on at this point. Your goal is to, and this is comes back to the March Madness saying, survive and advance. Yeah. And right now, it's not pretty all the time, but surviving and advancing in these college football games in the Big 12 is going to be huge because yep. come the end of the season, if you can continue to pull out big win after big win, I'm not saying that we could be sitting in a playoff spot, but a Big 12 title game, that's that's not out of the question. Right, and a, and a win is a win. Exactly. And as long as you're making progress throughout the season, like you can see progress being made. The, the, even the defense, which we herald mm-hmm. a lot, and rightfully so, they have to make progress because they're trying to replace – their best pass rusher, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You know, Trace Ford is not here for the entire yeah. year, and they just lost Trey Sterling. So mm-hmm. we have to see, is Thomas Harper going to step up? Is Jason Taylor, who had the big block field goal to win us the game, is he now going to step up in that role of starting strong safety? So there's there's improvements made every week. And as long as you see progress, because you saw progress in the Boise State game. You saw the offensive line actually open up holes for once in their in their yes, freaking lives. Yes. So Jalen Jalen Warren did not just bust off a 70-yard touchdown yeah. run for like just on his own. There was actually a hole and there was a pretty big gap for him. So there's progress being made. Spencer Sanders is really slowing down mentally. Yes. And the fact that he was able to understand, look, I am not being asked to go out here and throw the ball 25 times and go win us the game. Let me just make sure that my arm now is an aside yes. to us being able to run the game. And he played his role pretty, pretty well. Exactly. He played his role, and that's what he was asked to do. He was asked to go out there and do his job. And that's why I think And this week I've heard a lot of criticism of Spencer Sanders, just, and especially after that game, about not being able to really produce. I think it's a, a lot of it's unfair. I think a lot of the criticism that Sanders has really faced while being up here has been a little unfair because yeah. he's never really had an offensive line. Maybe his freshman year, but he didn't really play he didn't his really freshman play that year. He didn't really play that much. So last year when he did play, never had an offensive line. This year, up until this Boise State game, he only played one game, but he still his offensive still line really was offensive awful line. against Tulsa. But then last or this weekend, the run game opened up, and our offensive line, they were picking up, like you said, they were doing their job. Yeah. And that's what the Boise State win, to me, is a result of players doing their job. And for this OSU football team right now, 
where your offense is, is lacking, your defense is really your calling card. When your defense is your calling card like this and your offense is lacking, at the end of the day, you can win football games if your offense just does their job. Yep. And in big games, your offense is gonna have to do more than just do their job. They're gonna have to go make plays, they're gonna have to go win the game. Mm -hmm. When we play OU, trying to just manage the game is gonna be out of the question. We're gonna have to go win the game. Right, and by the t and thankfully, OU is in December, which, exactly. which that's here, and we're gonna be freezing for that oh, game. it's gonna be freezing, but it's gonna be fun. It's, it's, gonna, be a lot, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But hopefully, if you continue to see progress being made, maybe the offensive line solidifies, and one of the things about the offensive line that has been particularly concerning is that there's guys moving all over the place. Yeah. It's not just a revolving door, it's a literal musical chair. Yeah. That's like, nobody's in the same spot. Hopefully by then, the, the offensive line will have had five or six games in the same spot. And hopefully by then, the receivers are going to be healthy and ready to go. So we can match Oklahoma possibly, you know, point for point. Maybe maybe not, but the defense could come up with some stops here, kick a field goal. You know, every every point matters. Here's the thing about the defense, and this and this is really concerning. Trey Sterling is done for the year. Yeah, that's that's a big concern. Because, you know, he's the captain, he's the mm -hmm. signal caller. Obviously, in the traditional defense, it's, you know, the linebacker, which would be Malcolm Rodriguez. But Trey Starling is really the heartbeat of that defense, the guy who really makes sure everything is working and functioning properly. And, you know, I, I don't want to say he's Jamal Adams with the way he lines up because he's so much better in coverage than Jamal Adams. Yeah. But his versatility at the safeties position, in the slot, he lines up at outside linebacker at times. He's fantastic against the run. Mm -hmm. He's going to be missed. No, he's going to be missed dearly. And I like what you said. Uh, I don't know if I'd compare him to Jamal Adams in the sense, and uh, you you said that the coverage for Jamal Adams mm -hmm. is nowhere near. I mean, obviously, we're they're talking at like different in, levels we're here. We're talking but, like entire, in terms yes. of like versatility and where yes. they line up. Yes, and I, I think you can almost dive deeper into that and thinking about the fact that Trey Sterling, whenever, he's on the, whenever that defense is on the field, you know where he is. Yeah. And that's the same with Jamal Adams. You know those are the type of players, the impact players on defense, where you always know where they are. The quarterback for the, the other team is always focused on them, watching what they're doing, because they know that if you, if you give those guys any sort of, you know, if you, if you forget about them for one play, the game could switch around like that. That's a, the type of player that he is, the impact player. Mm -hmm. Our defense is going to miss him, but someone's going to step up. I know someone on the defense is going to step up. I'm confident our defense will too. be fine. I, I love our defense. That's just that's the way it is. Yeah. That's really plain and simple. It's it's very nice to when our offense is off the field to almost have a a sense of comfort knowing our defense will take care of business. Right. And maybe they won't. Obviously, the other teams are going to score. They're not going to stop them every play, but they do enough to help our offense win football in, games. In terms of Boise State. Colby Harvell Peel came up with an interception. Now, granted, Jalen Warren gave it back on a fumble, which yes. was pr pretty much his only blemish yes. of the game against Boise State. But also, Jason Taylor with the blocked field goal. Yes. I mean, we were nervous when Boise State yeah. got down there. And I was like, oh, crap. We're about like the defense. Maybe they've just – this is one of those times where they just couldn't do it. Yeah. And then Jason Taylor comes up with the huge block. And actually, I will – I have a friend who can testify to this. I did call it they were going to miss the field goal. I did not think it was going to be blocked, but whatever. Um, a, win's a, a win's a win. Also, I also heard from a particular source that is a friend of ours, Boise State is retiring the blue field after this year. Really? Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how to feel about that either just because of the just the, the presence that has in the college football world right. as the blue field. Uh, but I believe it was on the pregame show at this desk, actually. They talked about they were that talking. before. That, that's what I was going to ask you. What, what's your favorite college football field? My favorite college football field 
it's it's not any of the blue turfs, any of the red turfs. I'm a big proponent of the 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 simple green turf. <laughs> yeah. It, green turf, green grass, whatever it is. I love yeah, absolutely. I love the simple the simple field. My favorite field off the top of my head is uh, if I take away my my biased or my bias off of this just because my favorite field is Boone Pickens Stadium. But yeah. if I, you know, put that away for a little bit, it's hard to say this because I don't like Texas A&M whatsoever, but their football stadium okay. is yeah. It's Something special. about the aesthetic of Texas A&M just does not work with me. Yeah. I think it I think it's that red. You think so? so I, I don't know what it is, but the whole the whole aesthetic and the whole color scheme of Texas A&M, I don't particularly like. My favorite field, if we take like the structure of the stadium out of it, my favorite field is LSU. Okay, and they've the, got a good one too. And the reason why is, have you noticed how the how the logos are painted at LSU? Yeah, it it's almost fades it back into the green. It's a rather. It's I don't kinda, know, it, it almost gives it a. Uh, I don't know an old one look. Right. I yeah. don't know one word to describe it, but it's almost like it's it's like a it's like a fade. Yeah. You know, it and it just and it just fades back in. But in terms of like the. Uh, the erratic, eccentric fields. I'd have to go, I don't know, Coastal Carolina's just says Atlantic Coast. Yeah. I'd have to go with Eastern Washington, man. You liked Eastern Washington's I, I, red? I, I well, like they were the, the red, red one, right? They were the red one, yeah. yes. I, I like that one. The Central Arkansas is, a, is an absolute no-go. No field should be purple. Right. I don't like that. And then purple and gray within five-yard increment, no. no. I don't like that at all. I will say another field that sticks out in my mind, and this – this probably speaks more for their fans and their, their student sections and the way they're able to fill out an, a, a stadium. Mm-hmm. But Penn State, I love the way they're, the, like you talked about the aesthetic, I love the aesthetic of watching a Penn State game, especially the wideout games for Penn State. That's just phenomenal. The ability to get all their, just everyone there to wear the wideout. I would love for us to get a, maybe a blackout game here or something like that. I feel that. like we do have a blackout game. I think, well, I know last year there was... Was it Halloween? Last year, yeah, I thought it was that? Texas last year. Where well, I know our it was supposed to be. It was be. supposed it was, to be, but I don't it know. It failed, failed pretty miserably. But maybe this year. Maybe this year that'd be cool. Uh, the whiteout game, definitely. I made it. I definitely made a joke about that. And Did you? Yeah, that definitely makes people uncomfortable. But I mean, what's new? What's new? <laughs> what is new exactly? But overall, this weekend we saw a OSU team who took care of business and yep. against Kansas State they're also going to have to take care of business just as well. Kansas State's not going to be a team that you can you can overlook and they know that. Right. Everyone in the Big 12 knows that. So they even take, with, even without Skylar Thompson. Even without Skylar Thompson, they're always going to be a team that is right in the game with you until the end. I would love to see us just steamroll them. Yeah. Go out there and just make a statement. Our off, I'd love to see our offense click. Mm-hmm. That being said, I can see another slow start. I can see another halftime score maybe 14 to 14 or you know a close game at half a two yeah. both teams have two scores on the board mm-hmm. and then towards the fourth quarter I see that's when we open we open things up in the fourth we didn't do it against Boise but I that's are gonna be I feel a like we didn't trend. do it against Boise just because we didn't have the arsenal to do right. it with but <clears throat> you know we don't know that's, that's also the thing mm-hmm. about speculating about an OSU game three, four days in advance, is that OSU just keeps such a tight lid yeah. on the injury, so we don't know the status of Tate Martin. We don't know the mm-hmm. status of Braden Johnson. Hopefully, Bryson Green is not the number one receiver when we go into Kansas State because that, to me, is problematic. But you, you, you never know. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably be finding this out when we, when we do the pregame show. I was going to say, we'll probably figure this out no, it, no, er, no earlier say, than Friday evening. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be, tw- it'll be less than 24 hours before game time. I agree. So. I agree. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, 6 p.m. Central Time on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Plus. Catch me on the OSU pregame show. 
uh, at 5 o'clock on OkaliTV.com. To the NFL, and we're through week two. Yes. And I hate that the NFL season just goes by so fast. It does go by so quick because you're waiting. It's the best season. It, 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 it really is because it's the, the best part about it is you have a game Sunday, and then yeah. you have to wait the whole week. for It's the anticipation. And I love basketball. It's probably my favorite sport still. But having, a, having multiple games a week takes away from the significance. It's, it's, no. the, it's the law of marginal benefit. Exactly. And, Do you know what that means? Well, I just use context clues and just was thinking that. Yeah. Marginal, marginal benefit had something to do with the amount of times that it takes place and it takes away its significance. I don't know. I've never heard anyone use that, but those were context well clues. Well so. done, homie. That's the only thing I remember from my economics class that's good. <laughs> from last year. But I don't, we even, just, I don't even need to take economics anymore. If that's the only thing you remembered, I got it. Oh, it's not the only thing I learned, but it's the only thing I no, remember. I yeah. Probably because so many instances of it come up in real life. Yeah. And I don't know. I probably couldn't even tell you how many other terms for my economics class. Yeah, like, right. That was that was probably my least favorite class I've ever taken, in in general. Um, we like we like power rankings. We did this a lot. Oh wow, year. we love power rankings. So I have my top ten. Okay. And if you and if you watched or have listened to my episode of the Gray Area this week, you have already heard this. But Landon has not because Landon does not listen to my podcast. That's not true. <laughs> I listen to some of them. <laughs> no, we we have we don't have unlimited amounts of time on our hands no, because we true. also have to remember to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> I think you said that well. Remember to sleep because sometimes even that. That's how it be. Even sometimes that is hard a hard task to accomplish. My top ten, and Landon, you'll you can tell me. Do you want to react to the whole list, or do you want to react to it as I go? Let's react to it as you go. Okay, I'll give you the I'll give you ten I'll give you ten through six. Okay. First, so number ten I have Seattle. They're one and one. They came back and beat Tennessee. Number nine I have Baltimore. They came back and beat Kansas City after dropping that loss to the Raiders on mm-hmm. Monday Night Football. Washington I have an eight because I still believe their upside is just so high because of their defense. And yes, they don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Taylor Hineke seems to be okay yeah so far he's he's doing them everything he he's can going really out there yeah. he's, he's not messing it up and at times he's going out there and winning you the exactly. game he, he had a great drive against against the giants to win the game number seven is buffalo and i had originally buffalo was my top team to beat kansas city but they've just been so unimpressive no i i have been very underwhelmed but i i like how you still have them on there oh don't, yeah. give, don't give up on I don't, I don't, I don't, there's no there's no need to drop them that far yet and number six i have san francisco Probably higher because they're they probably I would have them higher if they were unbeaten, but I mean because they're unbeaten, but also again just not very impressive. I agree. They they go through really dry spells where they just don't score. Yeah. They let Detroit back in the game and then for some reason they just never scored against Philadelphia and somehow won that game probably because it's Philadelphia. But interesting note here: Debo Samuel's he has 282 receiving yards and that nearly broke the franchise record for the most through two games. So, so 10 through 6, Seattle, Baltimore, Washington, Buffalo, and San Francisco. So I am actually, I like your list. I like the teams you have in there. I like, I like the Seattle pick at 10. Or I like that you mentioned them. However, I would, I'm going to go on, it's a little bit of a stretch here. Okay. But I'd be willing to switch San Francisco with Seattle. And here's why I say this. Okay. And you well, said you're... Wait, wait, wait till you hear number five then. Okay. Then interesting. So I have San Francisco falling. Is it the Cardinals? It's number five, the Cardinals? Number five is the Cardinals. Okay, so we'll get there. (laughs) So I have the Niners behind the Seahawks. The record doesn't show it, Mm -hmm. 
But to me right now, the Seahawks, and this is also, this could be a, a premature thing to say here because we know historically the Seahawks are all the, all the way up here through the worst or the first six weeks. And then they come about to a middle ground where they're not a bad football team, but they're winning a little over fifty uh, percent of their games. Yeah, they they just become a they just become a team. Yes, they become one of those teams, and they always squeak their way into the playoffs, or they even find their way sometimes in a solid seed because of their their fast start at the beginning. Right. But I still think Seattle's going to find themselves in playoff talks at the end of the year, even with the stacked division that they have. I am more sold in picking Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll okay. right now than I am with the San Francisco situation because even watching Jimmy Garoppolo, I just don't I just don't get the sense that the San Francisco team really wants him at quarterback. Yeah. And it's that it's almost the same situation with Chicago. Yes. It's like it's you similar. you know those you know those dudes don't want Andy yes. Dalton starting. It, it it's not that and I Andy Dalton's very capable NFL quarterback. Absolutely. He could go somewhere else and, and play. In fact even Washington might might need a quarterback sooner or later. Right. Heineke's looking fine right now, but who knows. Two San Francisco, right exactly, right now. And San Francisco, to me, is going to be the team in that in their division that has to, they're going to have to take a step up if they want to fit in with the elite teams right now. Because that's, right now, I think those are four elite teams in this NFL. I think elite is a very, very fitting word because the Seahawks are going to be in playoff contention. Mm-hmm. 49ers, playoff contention. Cardinals, I ruled, I, I was lowest on the Cardinals. Right now, I'm less low on the Cardinals just because of the way they've looked. Right. I still think the Cardinals may need, if you're looking at the Cardinals, we might need to pump the brakes a little bit. I need to. I agree. My concern with the Cardinals is that they're giving up 300 yards of total offense per game. Yes. Now, that's a middle of the pack defense. I think they're 17th or 18th right okay. now. So that's not horrible. Now, 10 years ago, that would have been atrocious. But this is just it just goes beyond the numbers they yeah. give up a lot of points mm-hmm. they really really do and now granted they played minnesota and minnesota's got two fantastic receivers one of them justin jefferson i believe is going to be you know top five top seven at the year's end i think he's phenomenal and then obviously they have dalvin cook but something about arizona's defense just doesn't sit right with me no. i don't know if chandler jones and jj watt can get that sort of pressure over the course of an entire year but as but as we mentioned arizona is two and oh and we'll get we'll touch on Arizona again in my when we talk about MVPs. Well, dang, I just gave that away. Um, I, you you want me to be honest with you? I I knew you were gonna say I knew you were gonna say Kyler anyway. Okay, me and you just do too many media things. together. We do too many media things like, together. Why do? Why, how did you know that? Well, it I don't know. We do a lot of media. I shouldn't say no, too we, many. We really do. No. Too many implies that that's maybe too much. No, and yeah. I am perfectly. I but, I have I, we, we we do a lot. We do do a lot but, together uh, for sure. I. I had a feeling you would say Kyler, just because when you look at the front runners right now for MVP and who who your MVP might be or who my MVP might be, might be, there's there's not really, really much of a mystery who yours three is going to be. And you know what? I'm trying to stay away from it as much as I can, but he's it's so obvious right now that that there's a guy with nine touchdown passes, only two interceptions, just threw for five against Atlanta. I know it's Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> that being said. I am not going to say Tom Brady, which is the name that we are implying I was going to say, just for those that may not. I'm sure most of our listeners are very aware of who my who are, who, right. who I would have yeah. said. But I'm, I'm going to stay away from Brady for this one, just because the first two defenses he has been put up against have been... Are pretty bad. They're pretty bad. The Cowboys defense is a lot better than I think people are giving them credit to I, be. I, I and do, I think I do we're going to see that. a progression over the season. Yes. That being said, first game of the season against the Cowboys defense... I'm taking that matchup any day of the week of if I'm Tom Brady. So 
And then Atlanta. And then Atlanta, who's... It's Atlanta. I don't know what to say about that. You know, Atlanta. they still haven't recovered from that Super Bowl, man. Do you think... They... Part of me thinks they just never will. I think until until Matt Ryan is no it, longer there... It's got to be a little... They've got to rebuild. Because obviously or they... they kind of flush You know, Julio out. Jones is no longer there. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman are no longer there. I think I think once Matt Ryan gets out of there, you know, they've already changed hierarchy in terms of head coach and general manager. They've got new guys there. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. They, they just, ever since the Super Bowl, they just have not been right. You saw last year against the Cowboys where they just forgot every rule for an onside kick. Yeah. They, I don't know. And it seems as if they really, and they might have, and we've never just been as exposed to it, but after that Super Bowl... That's where the stigma of the Falcons choking has. They have choked a plethora of games yeah. since that Super Bowl. And yeah. you don't, I don't really remember off the top of my head if they were really that big they, of choke they, artists they, they before kind of, then. They kind of were, so it was very fitting that it was yeah. the Falcons that did that. But I don't, I don't know. We talk about Super Bowl hangovers all the time, and obviously sometimes we're just being facetious yeah. when we're talking about it, but... I don't. This this is weird. It's it's really weird how the Falcons have just never recovered ever since they blew that twenty-eight to three lead. You almost feel bad for the Falcons, and when I say that, like as a yeah. Patriots fan, who I am extremely thankful that they choked, and even then, I would contribute. It it was a. You can contribute that game and the result to them choking or the Patriots' ele- elevation of play towards the end of the game. I think you can find I consider a, it more of a choke job. Okay. Yeah. And I think you can find a medium, uh, a middle ground somewhere in there. Yeah. But I feel bad for the Falcons, and I, they are my team that is 32 on the power rankings. They are the last team in the NFL for me really? in my rankings. Interesting. I, the, Jets okay. are, uh, the Jets are around there. I think See, the Jets the thing, have more the potential. The thing with the Jets is that they have more potential, and you can be excited for something, even though this week is not the greatest week to talk about Zach Wilson, even though I know you love seeing what just happened. I didn't I, love – well, I only I, loved I, it I from did. the – yeah, I loved it from the sake of my defense picked – my Patriots defense was able to pick off Zach Wilson four times. I loved it because of, I had the Patriots defense in fantasy. Oh, then yeah, so you got a lot from that then. Uh, 16. Jeez, okay, so great stellar performance from his defense then. Indeed. But I, I don't want to see Zach Wilson be a bust – However, if it happens, which I believe you've rolled the clip over here before. Do I need to bring the clip back? Uh, I mean, you can. I won't know if it's there until after I say this, I guess, because it'll be all post-production stuff. But that uh, I, I did somewhat tell you guys that Zach Wilson shouldn't be trusted quite yet in the NFL. And yeah. I don't really want to see it happen because I almost felt bad for the guy going out there. And he, one of the reporters asked him, they said, did you look like, it looked like you were seeing ghosts out there or something. He said, did you, did you see ghosts out there? He's like, no, absolutely not. And you could tell he was off put by oh, the question. Oh yeah, you could tell he did not like and, that And I, I felt bad for him because yeah. if you go out there and throw four interceptions and you have to go to a press conference right after that and a reporter asks you that question and it's just like, dude, what are you doing? You, obviously this guy just played a, one of his worst games in his career and you're going to ask him that question about did you guys see ghosts out there like what do you want the guy to say to that knowing full well where that Zach Wilson handled that a lot better than 90% of the players in the NFL probably would have absolutely and one thing we can say about Zach Wilson so far even though he hasn't been phenomenal Trevor Lawrence also has not been great Mm -hmm. at all they have handled the media pretty pretty well yeah granted Trevor Lawrence plays for Jacksonville so the media presence there is slightly different but in terms of being 20 21 year olds you know in in their first professional season I thought they've handled I really think all of the rookie quarterbacks have handled the media pretty pretty well I agree and I think that is a product of two things and I think one Trevor Lawrence's case is different than everyone else's because he's had the media in his face since really high high school school, yeah. yeah and so most 
really most quarterbacks with an exception of Justin Fields haven't had that. Justin Fields was very highly recruited and very there there was a lot of a lot of prominence around him coming out of high school. Absolutely. People knew he was going to be special. But Trevor Lawrence has faced media since he was in high school and then you have these quarterbacks who in this time period now where we are media is always pre- presence right. present from I think a there's lot more, younger. I think there's more awareness and there's more education yes. for younger players yes. now than maybe even 10 years ago. Yes. I agree. For sure. Just because the media just pretty much runs our world. I agree. Media is a huge thing. So I think that's why you're going to see rookies be able to deal with it better and I better so. and better and better. I think exactly. so. so. But Trevor Lawrence has also been underwhelming. That being said. Threw two interceptions to my Broncos. So he did face <laughs> a very good defense. That is, that is a very, very good defense. And it took all of the strength, all of my strength to remove team bias and not try to sneak Denver I was, into the I top was six. I was very, well, very Well, because curious. This, time, this time around, I, did, I would have a case. Oh, for sure. 2-0, and I believe Colin Cowherd might have been put him in. Did put really? them at five? At at, maybe after week one. I don't know if it was Colin Cowherd. Oh, my gosh. Sure. But there are analysts, and there's, I mean, there are ESPN employees just raving about the Broncos right now. What did I tell everybody about the Broncos? No, you've been, you've been high on the Broncos I have been telling you about on. the Broncos since this summer. I, I it, will say this, though. They're here right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be about right here come the end of the season. And it's going to be, they're going to be a 9-8, and 10-7 and seven team, yeah. probably. Yeah. And they could prove me wrong. I'm still, I'm still not, I wouldn't say I'm very high on the Raiders, but I have been. You know, okay, I was very low on the yeah. Raiders. They have surprised, they have, they have surprised me this year. I, I've been not surprised at all by the Raiders, but that being said, I have been, I, I don't know, surprise isn't the right word, but I'm, I'm still, I would say I didn't quite expect them no. to, their defense especially. Their defense has been better than. It's, it's been I would say it's solid. Solid's a good way to put it. Solid is a good way to put it. Because they're not, they're not great, but they're... And it's not like they've played a cupcake yes, schedule they've played, either. They played the, Baltimore, and then they played Pittsburgh. Exactly. Two, Pittsburgh, way, I would say their offense is nowhere near the, yeah. the level of Baltimore's. Of course. But, but Oakland always... Or, dude, I wish they were still Oakland, to be honest with you. It just it rolls off the tongue better. The Las Vegas Raiders. I do like Las you Vegas. You like Las and Vegas. And I like the stadium. You know, the, what stadium with that. the stadium is very nice, but... The Raiders have always been that team that will give people trouble. Indeed. And I actually, for if we discuss sleepers later to make the playoffs, okay. we can get into the Raiders later. So Okay. Number five, we mentioned Arizona on my list. 2-0, tied for the best record in the NFC, e- NFC West. Number four, I have Cleveland. 1-1, one one, they just, you know, some, here's, here's the thing with Cleveland. Cleveland has the best roster top to bottom in the NFL, yeah. in my opinion. Top on to, paper, yeah. On, yeah, on paper. I don't know. Here, here, here's, what, here's the thing. And here's the difference between Baker Mayfield and Spencer Sanders. When asked, Spencer Sanders can actually go out and make you a play and, make you, and give you a drive to win the game. He did it against Tulsa, and he did it against Boise State. That is not something Baker Mayfield does. Not the, anymore. Yes, the, he, well, he used to, but yes, continue. Well, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. The Browns are so much better when they ask Baker Mayfield to do so much less. And, see, I don't know if... Their roster is so stacked to where you can win a Super Bowl doing that, but there are very, very few and far between instances where you can go tell your quarterback, we want you to do, want you to do as less as possible, and that gives us our best chance of winning a Super Bowl. That's just weird. It's a strange situation that they have over there, and that's a credit, I guess, to 
the general manager, Andrew Barry, and to Kevin Stefanski, the coach. But something about them rubs me the wrong way, but they still have the roster top to bottom, and they and they won this week. I can't dock them so much for losing to Kansas City, Yeah, obviously. So one and one, number four. Number three, Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, actually, he threw his first interception in September yeah. this week. So that, was, that was interesting. My one concern about Kansas City is that they've only scored 10 offensive points in the first quarter yes. of the first two games, so they do get off to really slow starts. But once they get going, they're there's, going. There's not no really there. to stop them. Want to guess my number two? So there's two teams that there's there's two teams that these next two options have to be. Your number one and number two have to be either or, and it's the Rams and the Buccaneers. The Rams are number two. Okay, it's Rams. Yeah. Okay, I and figured Buccaneers are one. You just I can't put the I can't put the Bucks one, uh, not one. Yeah, because I, know. I mean they're the reigns they're the reigning defending Super Bowl champions mm-hmm. and they're two and up. So there's not really much you can do there. Tom Brady, here's a note. I don't know if you know this. Tom Brady became the oldest QB to lead the league in touchdown passes through the first two weeks of a season. No, I'm not. I mean, I mean, we're not particularly surprised. But it's, it's just, it continues to just. You know, what's so scary about Tom Brady is that why does he look so good? Uh, I was wondering the same thing because his last two years in New England, even I and the big Tom Brady fan I am was. Was like, man, this guy is. Did he not? Did he? A he I know he had no weapons. He had no weapons. But he even had, then, the things that he could control, like he was skipping balls into. There were some. It, you could tell when he had the ability to throw to an open receiver, he, he would miss them. He right. would miss those op, uh, opportunities, and you're just like, this is not Tom Brady that has right. been, that we know, because he doesn't miss the. He doesn't miss many opportunities. And three years later, why does he look like he's 28? I, I, I honestly can't answer that because it speaks for the it speaks volumes to whatever training program, whatever fitness program he is, that he has been working on for the, the TB12 method, the yeah. thing that he has been working on for the last, I would say, a little over half a decade now probably. Yeah. He, that speaks volumes to that TB12. It has to. It, it, it's crazy. But I will say this. In his last year in New England in 2019, I did notice that he looked – more mobile. Now he had to look more mobile because that O line was a revolving door. But he looked more mobile than he ever had. And then he goes which to is Tampa, weird, which is weird because he was still forty. Yes. And so then he goes to Tampa, and it's just the guy's just incredible. He throws yeah. for forty touchdowns at the age of forty three. And now he's. And it's not like it's just touchdowns where his receivers are going to make it right. He's putting no the ball his, well. his, his. I would say the average depth of target right now in Tampa has to be astronomically oh yeah those those numbers have to be astronomically big astronomically bigger than they were in New England just because he is throwing the ball down the field at a rate that he never did in New England and that speaks because he's got weapons now right he's got tons of weapons even the guys Scotty Miller barely plays and Scotty Miller and Brady have a great connection he was a very key contributor last year especially in the playoffs yeah yeah and so I don't know how Brady's looking at I'm not surprised but it still it just amazes me that he, especially after watching against the Cowboys, I know he threw right. two picks, but he looked extremely youthful, and he looked like he was just in the prime of his career. And so I is that what Florida does to you? I, I guess because Gronk's doing it too. Yeah, that's yeah. And maybe it's the, not the cold weather, you know, on the right. On it, I don't. There needs to be a scientific study on why Gronk and Brady are looking so much better once they move to Tampa. Than from Massachusetts, uh, or I, I mean, I just think I mean, it's, I guess it also could be common sense too. It, Florida, Massachusetts, and, and it's just a lot of a lot of things going. I think this Tampa team is the best team Tom's ever had. I think it's right. I think it's better than this 2007 Patriots, even though they went 16 and 0. This it's team, almost an embarrassment of riches. It, it really is. And it, what's funny is when when he went to Tampa, 
everyone was like, okay, if he wins one with Tampa, we'll, we'll, we can excuse, like, because, you know, the whole stigma behind him was he can't win without Belichick. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's only been in New England his whole career. And he goes to Tampa and wins it. And it's just like, did, are we surprised, really? Did you see his roster? Yeah. Like, he's won with rosters in New England that are, are terrible compared to the rosters that he had, or the roster he had last year and this year. So I... I'm not surprised at all, but I will say it, it's it's very amazing he's able to go out yeah. there at 44 now, and yeah. now he's leading the league in touchdowns. But so even so, just just in case it got glossed over, the Rams are number two. Yes, the Rams are number two. <clears throat> and uh, Tampa is number one. Does the Tampa defense concern you? Oh yeah, <clears throat> it's not necessarily. Jeez. It's not. I know. I've been. I was very, especially against the Falcons, who, who, Philly's defense played a lot better against than than the the Tampa yes, Bay defense and very you take away those two turnovers at the end of the game for Tampa's defense and they really they didn't do I mean they were solid against the Falcons team that's very lackluster in games at at stages in the game which we talk about mm-hmm. but I, I don't know I'm just not sold I know they've returned all their starters and now they've missed Sean Murphy bunting and it's who isn't very good to be and I was gonna say he I think he's a lot I don't know it's so hard with that Tampa Bay defense right now because you see all the guys that they have and last year if you asked me how great this defense was I'd have been like middle of the pack at, at the very best yeah middle of the pack but then their playoff run was exceptional then that Super Bowl made them look like the best defense on the planet and right. now I think they're coming back down well, I do to, want to I did I do want them to play in a Super Bowl with the opposing team having an offensive line for crying out loud, we can't, right. we can't forget that. Well, that's true, but I I went back and watched those highlights of that Super Bowl. Right. And Mahomes had his checkdown route about probably seventy five. No, yeah, of the time. For, for sure. For and sure. so there, and I think that's something that's actually scary about the Chiefs now is if Mahomes actually does start hitting his checkdowns, which he very rarely will ever need. Because Travis Kelsey is just open <laughs> all the time. Travis Kelsey is the check down. Exactly. And even when Travis Kelsey has multiple guys on him, he's open. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's insane to me that you can run 7 to 10 yards down the field every play, turn your back to the first down marker completely, and just be open every time. So Tampa's defense is 22nd right now, and they're 30th against the pass. They did lose Sean Murphy bunting. And... There was a report that came out that they reached out to none other than Richard, Richard Sherman. Sherman. I heard that. Now, how crazy? Now, how crazy would that be if Richard Sherman walks up in there in the building and the first person to greet him is Tom freaking Brady, and not just old New England Tom Brady, yeah. the new Tom Brady who plays pranks and gets drunk on boats and throws Lombardi trophies? What in the heck is Tom Brady going to say when Richard Sherman comes and walks up in there? Uh, those two have had a very interesting relationship so I'm far. Saying. Because uh, I believe it was 2013, uh, the Patriots played Seattle in Seattle? Or I, all I know is that Legion of Boom defense took it to Brady. Yes. And Richard Sherman picked him off. And I believe the, the key phrase he said to him was, you mad bro. I believe that started the you mad bro saying across the That across is where the that happened. And then Brady went to one more Super Bowl. And Bowls. then Brady beat them in the Super Bowl. But, and then the first person to shake Brady's hand in that Super Bowl was, was Richard, Richard Sherman. Sherman. Yeah. And so, and I, I, I have always loved Richard Sherman. Absolutely. Actually, when he got that, when he, even when people were like, oh, that's, he can't say that. The stuff he said about Crabtree and after that, after making the play to send them to the Super Bowl. That was a little much. It was a little much, <laughs> but the guy much. got a mic stuck in his face after yeah. making the play to send him to the Super Bowl. And love it or hate him, when he, whenever he talks, we all listen. And when he talks, we all listen. And, and as an analyst, too, I listen to him because when he says something, it not only do you know that Richard Sherman's a smart dude because, A, he 
went to Stanford. Went to Stanford. <laughs> and he, you can see throughout his career and the way he answers the press, sometimes it's not the the most, uh, so where I'm, he, he can, it's not the he, most traditional yes, way. Yes, the way he answers the press is not traditional, but he is also, the way he answers it, he comes off as very sophisticated. And so you can tell that he's a smart individual. And you put him on a defense with guys who are also not, there's, there's a mixture between veterans and, and very, in a very youthful defense in Tampa right now where you have your secondaries youthful, but yeah. your D-line is, I mean, after these guys are gone up from that D-line, I, there's really nothing there for that D-line. It's a very old D-line, but yeah. it's a perfect mix yeah. between veterans and young players. And you add Richard Sherman. I don't know how good Richard Sherman will look, but I don't know either. having him on that Tampa team and just the presence that he's going to have, I believe, will yeah only benefit Tampa. One other note from the NFL this past week is that Kevin King is still on the Packers and Kevin King got cooked on Monday Night Football. I saw that all over Instagram. I was, Did you really? Yeah, I knew. And I knew as soon as I saw him, you know, a couple, I, I knew it didn't take much for that guy to. They hit, a, they hit a deep ball on him, I believe on the opening drive. And I saw number oh, yeah. 20 for the Packers. I was like, Kevin King cannot still be on this roster. And sure enough, his once his dreads like flew up and it said King, I was like, You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Like, do they want this going around the internet again? But let's talk about let's talk about some early MVPs. Okay. Um, and we hinted we hinted on it before. Kyler Murray is my league leader for MVP so far. He has been the most exciting electric player in the NFL so far. Seven touchdowns through the air, two on the ground, only three interceptions. So, eh, it's all right. But he but <laughs> he still looks like a kid that's running out of a store after stealing something. He's putting it <laughs> yeah. on guys all over the place. And look, here's my theory. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is keeping Cliff Kingsbury at his job. Uh, yeah. Oh, look, somebody, look, look I Cliff, Cliff didn't deserve the job to begin with, but boy, is he lucky he had Kyler Murray. DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk yeah. has made a jump, too. And Kyler Murray is just throwing the ball all over, just just spreading the ball out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's valuable when you can spread the ball over. He, he really he took a page out of Brady's book yeah. because Brady is handling having the embarrassment of riches that he has, and he's keeping everybody happy. So, But Kyler, he's just been so electric, so exciting. He's got the numbers that are that are with Brady, and if you're going to say Brady is the, le- the, the leader for MVP right now, you have the case. Um, I think it's a very boring guy. It, it is boring in the sense that Especially the the frequency that I mentioned Brady's name. It's of course, of, oh, if I were to say Brady, of course he thinks Tom Brady's the MVP. But you look at his case right now, and it's just as good as anyone else's, if oh, not no better. Doubt. Yeah. And so I I put him in that conversation. But keep, I want to give. Are you are you done with Kyler? Yes. Okay. I I like Kyler. I think Kyler. There's three guys right now in the MVP discussion for me uh, that are have the best odds of winning MVP. That's Mahomes, Brady, and Kyler Murray right now uh-huh. and Murray looks phenomenal the only knock on Murray is he does like to turn the ball over he has turned whether the ball it's over, interceptions yes. whether it's fumbles and he I, he hasn't fumbled that much he has this not year. fumbled he has not has, lost has he a fumble yet? This, he has not he has not lost a fumble this year but he has thrown three interceptions yes so he likes to turn the ball over a little bit which is the only knock on him and he's still this is his third year in the NFL yes so he's still very young and if he's already in this class of QBs right now, what we're talking, I would say Kyler Murray is entering the chat for a a, a mm-hmm. spot in the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I would say yeah. he's right outside as of now, but he's entering the chat. And if he can, you know, sustain this performance for a couple of years, he'll be in the top five for one, sure. One guy I think we don't look at very much 
Derek Carr. The Raiders are 2-0. and I did not expect them to be 2-0. I actually expected them to be 0-2 at this point. He's the league leader in passing yards at 817 through two weeks, which is pretty incredible. He's two 400-yard games, four touchdowns, so he's not really up there with Brady and Mahomes and Kyler Murray. He's kind of lagging behind in there. Only turned the ball over once, and he has been sacked um, the same amount as Kyler Murray. So he's not he's not taking a lot of sacks. Somebody who is taking a lot of sacks is Ryan Tannehill. I just looked, and he has nine. There, he's taken nine sacks. Zach Wilson has taken yeah. ten. <laughs> Let's just keep piling on Zach Wilson. Of course. But, but Derek Carr, man, you know, he doesn't have the weapons that Kyler Murray has. Definitely doesn't have the weapons Tom Brady has. Right. His team is 2-0. and for me, they're already exceeding expectations, and he's his product. He's putting up so much production. He has a great QBR. Well, actually, he has a mediocre QBR. He has a, he has a pretty good passer rating, though. But if you're the league's top passer, and your team is winning, you kind of have to give oh, him you've consideration. Got a case. Do you not? You've got a case, and I'm glad you brought up Derek Carr because Derek Carr has been one of those QBs who almost burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was 2016 was his big year with the was Raiders. Was his big year, and then and he they broke went, his leg. What 13 and three or 12 and four? It they, was went, one, they went 12 and four, and then he broke his leg in yeah, the playoff and game. Yeah, they, they didn't. That was that was a huge what if that season. That Raiders team looked special. Yeah. And then after that, they've been just kind of on a steady. It hasn't really been a decline, but it's been more of just kind of a steady. They haven't really been doing much. They've just been right. quiet. And in a division with Patrick Mahomes, and. Then you have Justin Herbert now, right. and even in Denver, Denver's gonna generate. Denver's, Denver's, Denver's two and exactly. Now you're in a division that has had over the last couple of years. Mahomes has just dominated that division, and right. all the all the press and everything about that division starts with Mahomes and ends with Mahomes. Yes. Indeed. But now you have Derek Carr on a Raiders team which beat the Chiefs last year, gave them one of their only losses yes. of the season, or one of their was, two losses yes. of the season. It was it was Patrick Mahomes' first loss in September. Yes, and that team... Actually, I tell you what, that was in October. Just completely disregard that point. But the, the thing is, is right. Mahomes doesn't lose very much. No. The Mahomes and the Chiefs, I should say. Right. But Mahomes is the quarterback. So the, that Chiefs team does not lose very often. Nope, they don't. And that Raiders team beat them in their first game of the season, and they were so close to beating them. In, the la- in their second meeting of the season. The Raiders play everybody in their division tough, and as long as Derek Carr keeps putting up this kind of production, Kansas City does not have a very great defense, right. and they do not have a very great secondary outside of um, Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. So if Derek Carr continues to play like this and develop that sort of rapport with the receivers, with Henry Ruggs, obviously he has the connection with Darren Waller, Kansas City could be had if, Der- if Derek Carr continues to play like this. Also flying under the radar, in terms of offensive player of the year, Man, if Debo Samuel keeps this up, because he's already one of my favorite players. Yeah. Man, 282 yards through through two games is exquisite. Oh, it, it's phenomenal. And I don't think he'll be able to just... just I, I don't think he will. And it's if also San does, Francisco's scheme yeah. as well. And that's if he does, then who knows where he'll be at at the end of the year as far as offense, of the, offense player of the year talks. Right. Another guy I have that we almost just subconsciously cross out of any list at this point in the season because we know, and I mentioned it, the Seahawks always play phenomenal and come back down to earth. Russell Wilson, I, his year is coming when he's going to win MVP. I still am on yeah, that train. He's going to win an MVP. This could be his year. 
as far as winning MVP because now the Seahawks and Russell Wilson to me, and this is a very hot take, but he's my 10th quarterback all time. Like he is number 10 for really? me all time. And this is, this is That's something, something we'll have to talk about. And we'll talk on, about on that on another podcast. day. But to me, Russell Wilson will never, ever be counted out of any football game because of the way he is, the, the, the style he plays in which his O-line, he is not dependent on his O-line. He's not nope. as mobile as he once was, but he's not dependent on an O-line. Granted, O-line will help your offense any way possible. Immensely. Russell Wilson makes plays. He keeps you in football games, and they lost to the Titans by a field goal, and yes. it took Derrick Henry having, and that, that speaks to the, the Seahawks' defense and the, lacking, the lack of pretty it's much horrible. everything they have over there. Right. But we saw their defense over the season progress last year. Right. I expect to see something similar this year and you hope and I would and we talked about how they Seahawks start here and end here like a middle pack team almost or just kind of a little bit above average I think this year we're going to see the Seahawks start more they're definitely I believe they'll be four and two five and one somewhere in that they'll they'll be up there they'll be in talks to be one of the top teams in the NFL they're going to start hot again but I think you're going to see a a more consistent Seahawks team throughout the year and Especially in a tough division, Russell Wilson's going to be asked. He's going to have the responsibility to go out there and win football games. Russell Wilson could finish as a top three candidate this year for MVP. I would not count him out yet. Last thing before we get out of here, sleeper to make the playoffs. My team's the Raiders. My team's the Broncos. And only, only one of those teams, well, who knows what the Chiefs are going to look like, but most likely only one of those teams is right. going to be able to find a wild card right. spot. I like the, that's interesting actually that we both picked team from the same division. I like the Raiders just because, <laughs> and I've, I've kind of been high on that whole division. I think even the Chargers are a really good, not a really good football team, I should say, but a, still a good football they're team. They're a good football team. And they're yeah. going to make things tough for any team that they play. They beat themselves, And they, they Yes, and that that is their problem. They had a lot of chances to win that game against Dallas, and they didn't. And Dallas isn't really one of those teams that, Dallas is typically the team that kind of says, here you go, here's the game. You're like, don't. I mean, they did too. They did. They did. And it's both, like neither of them won it. And, both they, teams, and you had McCarthy just mismanage the clock. And, they, and like, does, it, does, either team, coach, does either team want to win the game? No, he, they ran out like, what, 20 seconds off the clock, if not more at some stage. And I, Yeah, they got their field goal, but right. then, I don't know. That, those two teams, yeah. that game, watching that game, there was a lot of head-scratching moments. And I was just, it was not the greatest game. It was not well coached. It wasn't really. On either side. It wasn't. The players, not re- no one really. Tony, Tony Pollard looked exceptional. Right. But besides that, no one looked phenomenal. Dak right. and Justin Herbert looked okay. But yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I wasn't too high on too high on that right. game in general. But yeah, my Raiders, the Raiders are my team. I I expect Derek Carr to have a. I would say he's going to have one of his best seasons yet. Maybe not an MVP season, but one of his best seasons yet. Absolutely. So yeah. As for Denver, look. Top five roster, top to bottom in my mind. They have fixed the offensive line. That offensive line is actually really, really good. Yeah. And they have a quarterback that is not turning the ball over. I like Teddy. I liked. I, I, like I have liked so far what you, I've seen from yeah. Teddy. Even though he chunks the ball downfield and it's a duck, it still gets he there. He doesn't have the greatest it's arm. It's not the greatest arm. Yeah. Drew Locke is definitely better in that yeah. department, but in terms of taking good care of the football. Drew Locke. No, Drew Locke probably could still be 2 0. Well, yeah, they've played Jacksonville and then I yeah. and they played the Giants week one. And then they have, they have the Jets they have the Jets this week. Then it gets interesting because they have to go play Baltimore and I think 
the Raiders are within the next few weeks as well. So it, it's gonna mm. get it's gonna get interesting. No, that the Broncos are gonna have a tough schedule no matter right. what because their division. So right, but their their division is is the worst quite team is the Chargers, and, and that, that's that's a, a good, good that's a well it's better than be, it's better than being in the NFC West because the worst team is what the Seahawks right now. <sighs> Uh, you have two and zero, two and zero, two and zero, and then the Seahawks at one and one. I guess, and yeah. The Seahawks are really good. I see, yeah, man, that division. I had, all, I, had all, I had all four of the NFC in West top 10. in my top ten. And yeah, you can't go wrong with that, just because all four of those teams, in my opinion, have a shot at being in the Super Bowl. So it's you never know. I agree. So yeah, yeah. NFL is interesting right now because it's so early, mm-hmm. and there's you you don't we don't really know what we've seen because yeah, the Titans looked awful against the Cardinals. But then Derrick Henry looked like, oh, guys, this is still King Henry. This is still him against the Seattle defense, which is a very poor defense. Yeah. So then you want to go see Derrick Henry against a good defense. Right. You want to go and see. And you will. And, and you will. And I think the Broncos are another example of a team that we've seen, and they look phenomenal, but we want to see them play someone. We want to see them have a test. Yeah. And a lot of teams haven't been tested yet. The Chiefs have been tested twice. Yes. And that's why I'm I'm so scared of the Chiefs now because they you were have, tested. You really have to. They be. were they were tested early on twice with two and it, it just two really mm-hmm. really good opponents. Yeah. Chiefs make me nervous every year because you know when they lose you're just going to go win the next 5 games. Yeah. I would love to see them go back to back and lose again this week, but I don't see it happening. I don't either. All right. Remember Oklahoma State football 6 p.m. Big 12 now on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Pre-game report starring my well not starring yeah. Sort of starring. Oh, it, it's, it's always a fun time. If you watched last week, it was, it was quite a fun time. So hopefully we can do that again. Pre-game report at 5 o'clock, OkaliTV.com. All right, that's Landon Bethay. My name is Grayson Singleton. God, God bless. Keep cool and enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you next week.